Welcome to Debt to Cinema. I'm Stephen Malmanex. And I'm Brian Gillis. Like most people, we love going to the theater and catching latest releases. However, sadly, put a big dent in your wallet. Fortunately, living in the digital age makes the viewing possibilities endless from the comforts of home. Many of these films that you can see right from your couch, we're ashamed to say we miss, despite labeling ourselves cinephiles. So join us as one or both of us cross off a title from our list of shame. It can be an all-time essential classic. Or an underrated piece of cinema that's worth giving a shot. Hell, it might just be some trashy film we want the other's opinion on. So sit tight and join us as we pay off our debts, one dollar at a time. Motion picture critics around the world acclaim America's newest film triumph. Listen to the London Times. Few films in recent years have received more critical acclaim, and Shadows deserves it. Again and again, the raves repeat their acclamation. Please don't touch me. Please don't touch me. I want to go home. And the Daily Mirror describes Lelia Goldoni's performance as blazingly brilliant. And the Daily Express says this, the most truthful love scene you have ever seen. Shadows, directed by John Cassavetes, breaks all the barriers of conventional filmmaking. Actually filmed in New York City, Shadows now returns to be hailed by American critics. For this is a real story of real people living in the shadows of the neon crazy streets of Manhattan. You may remember a year ago we did The Dirty Dozen, and in that I did say something about John Cassavetes, you know, that I had not seen one of his flicks, and he was a highlight in that flick, and coincidentally it just happens to be a year, but really what it was is that I, at work, practically every day I keep walking by this poster for Faces, and I was talking with somebody that I work that has seen more movies than I have, and I was, you know, I, was, I brought up John Cassavetes, I said mm-hmm. I have not seen anything, where should I start? And start uh, at the beginning. Out, yeah, just said start at the beginning. And so, fuck it, here we are. You know, I watched this movie last week, actually. Group outing, theater thing, No, 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 like... just on my own. I just rented it, and that's how I was going to do it. And then, you know, when it came time for me to pick something, I was like, fuck, I don't have anything, but this movie is just way too interesting. Like, I, I feel like the conversation alone is justified just based on how this movie was made or what this movie mm-hmm. is. That I was like, yeah, I'm not going to pass this up, so... Yeah, here we are. You finally caught up. So what'd you think? Yeah, I I also had never seen a John Cassavetes film. I, I do kind of recall the Suicide Squad character, uh, just because I mean all the characters in the Dirty Dozen are pretty interesting, but his especially he's like he's the most fun. The, like there isn't a film of his that I'm familiar by name. I guess Shadows now. Uh, like I'm vaguely familiar with Nick Cassavetes, his son, but then also not really. It's like kind of one mm-hmm. of those. Oh, he was on Entourage for a couple episodes. I know who he is. <laughs> But even still, like, I wasn't familiar with what John Cassavetes did, not just for American cinema, but independent cinema at that, or mm. really anything. Um, and then this film also, in doing research, is a bit of a misnomer. It's kind of like an urban legend. This is kind of claimed to be, you know, like, the not just the origin of independent cinema, which it definitely is, but, um, like, the beginning of Mumblecore, which it definitely is not. In a way, though, like, because you just can't help but think about it. Like, uh, Mark Duplass has talked about Cassavetes mm-hmm. before. Apatow has talked about Cassavetes. You know, they they famously use improv. Uh, you, you know, the way that Mumblecore works is that they have a guideline for what the scene is, and yet they ha- their actors know what they're going to do. So there is still a lot of that in there. But, yeah, this is the main inspiration that I could find. Like, it's th- there's so many things that's actually amazing about this. Is like, it still shocks me. This is 1957 New York. Yeah. Fucking North by Northwest was made two years after this. And that's, like, 
an idealized looking version of what New York is. But no, these are like, on, this is actually on the streets. Like this looks like New Hollywood. It's amazing that like I could, I could have sworn this was the seventies while I was watching Not it or maybe late sixties, but no, mid sixties, like, 57. Um, wow. Just the clothes and the, the, the music and what they're doing for entertainment and stuff. But there is a lot of, there's chain smoking and like, basically loose sex partners and bohemian lifestyle like something that mm. would look a lot different in the 60s or especially in the 70s even if the people are basically the same but when it comes down to you know like this was made for like what some like $40,000 at the time which was still probably a lot of money excuse me my cat is running all over the place right now um he watched it with me. I, I, he slept through it. I almost did too. And that seems to be the case with the original print because, like I said, this isn't exactly Mumblecore. There was the original, like, improvised, improvised film that mm-hmm. almost no one's seen because they, he, like, invited people to, like, this 900-seat cinemaplex or something or movie house, and no one went. It was, like, maybe 100 people, and people left, even, like, the casting director and stuff. And so it has this very weird like stance in American filmmaking it only really became well, we got like a weird mesh of two is like the the one that's out there uh-huh. I know like um, yeah the criterion version yeah it's it's like when you I, I sifted through some of the bonus features and um, the woman that plays Lelia I forget her last name but that's her real first name in real life like you know she talked about what made it in the movie and what the reshoots that they had to do two years later and what's like, in the movies that yeah some of the scenes uh-huh. are some of them are improvised and then some of them were written like you know the the after sex scene that was written but then you know there's stuff in there that's improvised so it's like i can't find something online that like definitively says whether they were both meshed together at some oh, point they're definitely there's so many conflicting together. statements that i'm just like i i don't know what to believe as far as what i'm reading from what i read on imdb and wikipedia which are both you know not official source materials they are written by people like us it could be fake it could be not but just given the the way that the wikipedia article read and also you know there's their citations so i didn't check them myself but you can easily do that but from what i gather there was the original version that no one liked it was overly long the the romance especially the interracial romance was like really stressed that was like the point of it and it, it just didn't play well despite being like 90 some odd minutes long and then a couple years later you know they they worked it they they redid the thing and they basically took that material they like reshot half of it and then they chopped like the original parts to pieces because john cassavetes beside being you know the producer the writer the director is also the editor and he has a cameo uh with his wife so uh, which i didn't catch but i would have to assume is at the big party where um Fuck, not Bruno, where, uh, what's his name, uh, slaps that woman who's trying to come on to him. Ben. Ben, yeah, because, uh, Benny. Because the, the, the setup for the film and, and the, the title alone is kind of a strange one, Shadows. Like, I, I'm not sure exactly where that's supposed to be coming from. What I'm from. thinking Maybe, is, like, of the time, too, I, I think it's more of, like, just, you know, the thing. Like a derogatory that term? Not, not necessarily de- derogatory, but just more, like, you know, underneath the surface. Like, all the stuff mm-hmm. that you see, it's sort of like there's that forbidden feel maybe of the time and context, but... I think it has more to that's do... That's the best I can get out of it. With the light-skinned, dark-skinned dichotomy you have here, because you have that real powerful sequence where, you know, Lilia, she's not exactly yeah. sure what she's doing. She's 20, she's running around, she has her, her like, real smart, artsy, like, beatnik friend, and then she meets this new guy, and the first thing she does is, is kiss him at the party, and right away he's gonna 
going to think a certain thing. And of course he thinks that thing. And that's mm-hmm. why she ends up going home with them. And you quickly realize as soon as we do post sex, that it was her first time. It was painful. Yeah. He did things to her that, you know, he probably shouldn't have. And that's also Just that whole mm-hmm. relationship in general, like the way that that plays out is at first you're thinking, wow, this, you know, this is kind of cute how they're running yeah. through the park, running away from this professor. It's like, this is going to go really well. And then he's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I can be very romantic, but I'm not a very good guy. Hey, why don't you come up to my place? And then the drums kick in, and all of a sudden it's like, fuck, you are afraid for her. Even better than that, though, is the fact that on the walk, they ended up at his place, and he's like, oh, it's right here. Yeah. It's number seven. You want to you wanna do it? Yeah, you it's wanna, like... You want to do it? <laughs> you want a drink? She's like, I, I don't need a drink. You sure you don't want a drink? You want a drink? But he wasn't a bad guy. What it really is is he looked at her, and especially on black and white 16 millimeter, she looks very much so not she black. She's light-skinned. She's very light-skinned. She's fair-skinned. And she she's passes for white when she knows her he knows benny but then when he meets uh hugh the super dark-skinned sibling he's like oh shit and then that's when you can tell it's totally improvised because that that scene in particular even though it's such a pivotal mm-hmm. one just doesn't flow well like it's so awkward in like not a artful way it was more you like think so yeah I mean, it's, like, like uh, the way he literally gets pushed it's perfectly out perfectly paced the confrontation it's, it's such a fucking good moment like it's a very tense moment that like it never dragged for me or anything oh, they not, were all really into not it. not in and, terms of being like dragging or or pacing issues but just it, it didn't seem natural in the way that the the camera was in the situation like you're on the outside of the doorway and for well, some th- reason, like, y- you assume, especially just because of the interracial romance that is going on, that he is embarrassed. And then you get, like, a scene later on when he reappears where he basically says that. You know, like, oh, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. We're the same. Yeah, he really I has love you. to think it over. Yeah, and- I mean, I got just so used to how all over the place the camera was in this that mm-hmm. I kind of stopped focusing on that and I focused more on performance. But, yeah, that moment. It's weird. Uh, when Hugh comes in for the first time, mm-hmm. awkward as shit, uncomfortable well, j- the as framing hell, but too, like so freaking well-performed, though. Like, that, I wasn't really thinking about the framing. It's over the shoulder of this uh, this lover, whatever his name is, Ray or whatever. Uh, Tony. Tony. And, and then you see, you know, this brother literally embracing his sister, and he's like, wait, hold up, you're black? Like, you, you notice that moment. Like, it, I think maybe it's awkward on purpose. Like, you can sense the tension even though there shouldn't be one, and for us it really isn't just because, you know, I, there's so many more versions of this film Many that I've seen, you know, you got Spike Lee's Jungle Fever, you've got Ali Fury to Soul by uh, Fassbender, you got the inspiration for that, uh, the, the the Douglas Sirk movie. There's a lot of stuff, but yeah, I mean, just the moment that it happens here, because it's not something that you expect, I think, just dramatically, like, especially where that relationship is, too, it's it's very weird because everything with Tony, you know, at like post, um, post sex, like, you know, he's just constantly going like, you know, Oh, it won't be that bad next time. Oh, we'll stay together. And she's just trying to talk her way out of it. Well, not really though. Cause at first she's still buying into it. She literally asks, you know, like, can I live with you? Like, I, like, did you have a good time? Like she's smitten by him. It's the first time that she's gone all the way, despite being 20. And that's kind of old when you have two brothers that are artists, like one who's been on the art scene for like 10 years and you never mm-hmm. see parents here. So that would mean that since she was 10, she was assumably living with her brother. Who's in throwing parties like this. Like it's almost 
laughable that she hasn't, especially in this era. But I then then again, I guess it is this era. But then and also, you know, the the shocking thing about this era, and I read this on trivia, but it makes sense. It's just you laugh at it that people were just horrified by that scene. That's like how yeah. how could she? Like, she's not even married. How could they have sex? Well, I mean, the same thing happens in North by Northwest, though. Like, is it? It, it, and that, that that scene really isn't that bad because they don't even kiss in it. You know, at least in no. like Hitchcockian films. But, I mean, or, you know, it's or, implied. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're naive enough, that could go over your head. Here, it's clear cut. No, well, I'm just saying, like, kissing scenes were a big thing at this time in filmmaking, especially commercial mainstream Hollywood. Well, they'd been films, doing it for films. years at that point, though. Like, it was that three second rule, mm-hmm. and it. Well, even you know, before I, the I'm three sure they were used rule, to it by this point. But there are some films where, like, even though they're doing the three seconds, they'll do like two seconds off, two seconds on, two seconds, two seconds, two seconds, where it adds up to like a literal like minute kiss and like super passionate and and kissing on screen is much more intimate than like a post-coital conversation especially when they're shot from like the neck up and it's in the dark and i i guess it has more to do with the subject matter like that they are literally talking exactly about sex like it's not alluded to but it is uh it's very explicit and that might be the issue but then on the flip of the coin you have like the almost marty s conversation that happens later in the film because benny you know he's just a ladies man with his friends all they do is get drunk and Mm -hmm. and do like like random shit call up girls try to pick up them and like it even ends on a literal marty note where he goes I, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, what's the point? I, I'm I'm going to leave now. And he walks the street. And he's mm-hmm. like, maybe I'm supposed to have, like, this a moment where I'm like, oh, I've come to my senses. He's like, well, I did come to my senses. Yeah, and then later on they just say, yeah, just forget about it. He's like, fine, fine, I'll forget about it. It's you're, I'm, I'm pretty sure with just how that ends up that, yeah, he's going to keep doing his thing. And... I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think Benny will. Because, you know, he doesn't, I, no, ex- I, I, he I has think this con- moment when, uh, when Tony comes and calls for his sister, which is like, just, she turns into like the shittiest person in this movie. She starts off like real cute and innocent. <laughs> oh, it's well, like her you brother. Know, just that date in general with oh, um, the final Davey date, Jones, David, where he yeah. just comes in right away. Uh-huh. She's just like, what, you didn't bring me any flowers? Like, how do but, you expect me to go out with you if you're not going to bring me flowers? The hey, way- don't interrupt my brother. Do I, <laughs> do I come in and disturb your relatives? And then. It's just it's funny how far it goes and they're all just laughing about it of how they're all being assholes but yeah it it was fun but she starts off literally like visiting her brother at work and he tells her don't you read the newspapers you can't walk home alone like let me get you a cab let me walk with yeah. you like oh no it's fine i lived here my whole life he's like no it's not fine read the news right away she's almost attacked yeah, by a guy she has when she's marquee, looking yeah. at that Bridget Bardot poster which you know big one of the first big sex icons and yeah like she's molested like someone does grope her in public and you have like the box officer at that theater not even paying attention and his, and his friends like hey leave her alone it's fine and it's it just strange like her her arc here how she literally goes from this innocent girl who's just kind of like the the side person at the party the sister of this more famous person the hipper people and then she eventually especially towards the end when she meets david at this party is like the one to talk to the one that you want to flirt with the one that you will wait literally two and a half hours to even go dancing with and then when you're dancing with her she's just ridiculing you laughing at you like doing all the wrong things because she can because she knows 
knows how to use her body now. It's already been used. Like, she's she's lost her innocence. Like, it's interesting having this, um, even though they're all from the same generation, just having this uh, triple-layered, interconnected nature of these siblings. The one who's literally coming of age throughout the runtime. One who's coming into adulthood from adolescence. And then the, the final one who's just, you know, uh, Hugh is the one that's trying to make something of himself. You know, you have... Like, his first sequence, when it's not really made clear, especially because of the the differing tones of their skin, where it's like, why is this Benny guy that I just met asking this other guy, who happens to also be black for money? Like, it's not made clear, because he's like, hey, brother, but, like, it almost, you know, yeah, f- f- remember, this is the 50s, not the 60s, like, that's not lingo yet. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you get that sequence where it's like, I'm on opening third billing, even though I've been doing this for 10 years, for this group of girls I can't even sing. You know, like it, and then that coalesces with the final sequence at the train station, like probably one of the better sequences in the film, where he's like, "You're the best manager in the world." Like he gives like the manager well, supposed to give the pep talk. It's a very neatly tied up happy uh-huh. ending, really. Which you know, even then, I'm like, it's one of those things where even with Benny, you know, I'm not so sure that um, you know that things are going to be perfect. It's like at the train station, it's well intentioned, but then again it's it's the idea of this being improvised or maybe that it just could be one of those moments where you're you know like uh with them at the bar they're just like yeah you know what we're gonna do it where things are gonna be good and mm-hmm. then you just never really follow through on things you're just right back to where you started you keep doing exactly what you were doing before i don't know i, I feel like maybe with uh lelia it's it's weird because i'm not so sure if i I want to kind of believe that it might be that cliche where, oh, he happened to be the one, Davy Jones, the one that she would fall in love with. I mean, nah. you know, she was literally told at a party earlier, no, what you need is you need a husband and you need to have kids and you need to settle down. And, you know, I, I, maybe it seemed like her uh, her life was going down that route. But, uh, yeah, with the brothers, I'm not so sure because there really, there really isn't anything in their actions that – you know, proves that they were going anywhere on any journey. They're kind of like, uh, you know, she was, uh, Lelia was talking about uh, this story that she was writing that she was being criticized for of like, it's, it's really like nothing except just someone goes through some pain and yet they're still smiling and going down because they know exactly who they are. You know, that might be, I think that's more true for the brothers because she's definitely, uh, she's definitely a different person from where she was at the beginning of the movie. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe she is talking about herself and she's just so fucking cocky and confident that she could treat Davy Jones like shit at the party and mm-hmm. that, yeah, you know, it's like there really isn't that much of a change other than she had sex for the first time. Um, it, th- this whole, th- what I'm doing right now is an improvisation. I don't, it's it's weird. It is a, kind of a convoluted mess, really. It's, it's kind of just a slice of uh, life, just a brief period of, what, like a week or so uh, two weeks, uh, in I their lives. Like, it's, there really isn't a story. You know, yeah, it's, uh, it's there very are much moments in that are pivotal. The, the mode of Joe Swanberg or the Duplass Brothers or, uh, like, so many other filmmakers that either were contemporaries or have since been inspired by this kind of filmmaking where it isn't, you know, it doesn't have a pretty bow on it. It wasn't mm-hmm. adapted from a, a famous book or or like uh, or or play or anything. This isn't getting a TV show. This this isn't gonna you know be the talk of the town, the thing you have to see. 
this is very much so the kind of midnight movie. This is the kind of film that would play for months and months and lots and lots of people would go to. Or if, you know, it's not that way then, it's definitely that way now. And I'm sure that this film still does run, not just because it's inspired the kind of films that speak to people in a way that, you know, commercial films don't, especially nowadays. You know, we have the exceptions of something like The Big Sick, but outside of, you know, that kind of film, which is, mind you, made by Judd Apatow or helped made by Judd Apatow. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not that different from uh, stuff that he's done. It's, it's yeah. just that there are enough things about it that are refreshing, that feel new, and that I'm amazed that a lot of people are embracing, which... Thank God they are, man. That that movie's fucking great. But I mean, yeah, you know, with this, it's it's this is like such a major game changer. Just in that, uh, you know, it's it's not the beginning of new Hollywood, but you wouldn't really have that if it weren't for this. If people didn't see this and go, wait, that counts as a movie. That is possible. You can do that. I mean, so many people, you know, influenced by it then, even now to this day, it's it's just. Uh, I mean, it's it's funny. Like I, you know, I keep thinking like, um, just not only like things in my life but you know i i think that this uh there's that moment when they're in the park and they're they're looking at sculptures and everything and you know um i, I forget his name dennis i think where he's just going like yeah you know i went to college you know what and all that professors did was just try to teach me something that they didn't know you yeah know? people and, like, that other guys going, yeah, couldn't like, make it yeah yeah uh yeah just going like what the hell do you think's the point of this it's like do you even understand it well it's not a question of understanding it man it's just if it's you feel, feel it. it you feel it mm-hmm. you know so i want to put that which on you know it's it's funny like uh, just uh, thinking about art in general like this is sort of a movie that's critical of what was basically just the norm and standard narrative filmmaking then and yet i think it, I'm probably projecting this on there, but you also just get that audience um, experience kind of projected on there. If someone oh, no, who yeah, cannot necessarily yeah. articulate why they like something, but they're just like, I like it. Shut up. Leave me alone. You know, which I think we're all guilty of that. Like, I, I'm fucking guilty of that on this podcast where there's episodes I'm just like, I don't know how the fuck to say I love this movie other than I love it. Like, th- this film is very meta between showing both the performer and the audience in a showbiz, uh, like, industry when you have that nightclub mm-hmm. sequence also they they have a practice um like like we mentioned the bridge bardot marquee going to times square mind you um yeah the museum that they visit uh the art parties they're at the coffee shops the cocktail lounges like all the things and you know this is someone who wants to be a writer someone who is like a fail well, wants to be a writer evidently is pushed into okay being a well a writer uh, a trumpetist and then also a singer you know you have a series of people and then their friends like it is a very artsy film like this is definitive beatnik era cultural like importance right here where i'm sure at the time perhaps they would have not liked it because their uh what you call it their counterculture was being shown in cinemas but then it, it's fine because the person at least that was filming it was also part of that uh category or subcategory so yeah maybe maybe it is shadows like you said because this is an underground world and it, it's not something that you like the light directly hits but i think it, yeah. it maybe works on more levels than that i think it has something to do with the the racial undertones oh yeah that... no, it's a vague one word title that mm-hmm. uh you know the movie never even mentions you can definitely read a lot into it um you know it, it's not necessarily just one thing but it's you know i'm not i don't think i can try to like peg this movie in one way like uh, there there's so many you know it, it's it's a convoluted conversation where uh, you know I, I i'm sorry like as cheesy as that joke was about this talk being an improvisation it's like yeah it is because there's a lot here for me to say but i think on principle i just 
I, I love what th- this movie proved to be possible of what we got later on. And uh, like, even if it can be heavy, like there's a lot of great improv moments here that just are a lot of fun and are really funny. You know, when they're about to, they're discussing like, you know, man, I, I don't want to introduce that line. It's like, Hey man, so just, just tell a joke. Do you ever hear the one about, you know, the rabbit that fell from the tree? Cause he said that, man, that love making for the birds. birds, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, when Davy Jones like shows up and, you know, he's just trying to like butt into a conversation and, uh, fucking Lelia just keeps getting in the way for two and a half hours. Um, like th- there's a lot of good camaraderie between Benny and his buds. You know, there, there's uh, there, like there are it was fun good moments. Fun. Like it's an interesting look into the world of you know underground Brooklynites in the in the mid to late fifties. Yeah, it's it's just like even as a time capsule, like this is amazing. I had no idea that no, I, that era could look like I, this. Or I feel understand like this. why this film's important. It is a hundred percent a silver dollar. But I already mentioned it. Like Marty came out two years before this film was ever even made. It was filmed in the same locales. It features mm-hmm. mostly characters of the same like underground culture, except it's more prominent because hey, it was filmed for a mainstream audience. It was made at a major studio, and also yeah. it won Best Picture. You know, it is the pivotal mid fifties. Uh, young adult film and like I said this film at least in Benny's story ends exactly the way Marty ends and you know that's the reason why people love Marty that's the reason why Ernest Borgnine became such a big actor because he was able to embody this person or these people out there that didn't want to hook up and fool around and get drunk and have a good time but were instead looking for someone to settle down with they wanted the person to be home with them not people to go home with um, and you know, that one is a buy like Marty's a definite buy because it has polish on it, that it, it's more than just a piece of cinema. It's a movie. And I think that this is more a uh, cinematic experiment that definitely pays off, but it's, it's a silver dollar for me just because I don't know if I'd rewatch this one, despite like, you know, it's importance, like I said, and it's not a bad movie, but I, I'm sure there's more to gain from watching more of uh, John Cassavetti's works, which I'm sure I will do in the future. Uh, but, you know, this one's on YouTube. You can stream it for free. Yeah, if even if it's not part of uh, public domain, which it might be. Is that how you watched it? It's exactly how I watched it. But yeah, I, I recommend this one. It's a it's an interesting snapshot in the same way that it was recommended to you. Um, but I, I, I don't think I can give it the, the dollar mark. It's a silver dollar. I think it is a dollar for me, but, you know, mainly for filmmaking reasons. Like, uh-huh. it was a lot of fun, which I did not expect that. You know, it, like, it's a major stepping stone in independent filmmaking. And when the improv is working, it's, for me, it's just fucking electric. Like, I really couldn't believe that this is the 50s. Like, I, I had to, like, remind myself later and, uh, just, yeah, I, um... I find that it's a buy. Like, I would watch this again probably when I need inspiration just to remind me that I'm not making shit or that I might be making some right decisions or, you know, just that I could probably try cleaning something up if something's a mess. Like, if Criterion does a sale and I got money for it, I would buy the Cassavetti set right now just so that I could have the others on the back burner, but that would, I would at least be satisfied with having this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, hell yeah, it's, it, it's, it is a buy. It's funny considering this is like the beginning of the American independent film movement, but it's also like the beginning of the Kickstarter funded film. 
Uh, yes. Apparently, Cassavetes was doing like some kind of radio show, and he told the audience, "You know, I'd, I'd make my first movie if people, just like our listeners, sent money." And they ended up sending him like a thousand dollars, two thousand. Yeah, like that's fucking yeah. ludicrous. Like literally, it created the Kickstarter independent film. Mm-hmm. It created independent <laughs> film. Like it, it's an important document in the cinematic experience and the cinematic journey, especially in Americana. But yeah, I mean, despite having so many things going for it, it's, it's uh, I I don't know. Like when I buy something, I think I buy it not necessarily for myself, but for others. And I just don't see that widespread appeal for this film unless you are a film aficionado. If you are a student of cinema, I just don't think that it's uh, relevance in the creation of a, a different era of filmmaking makes it uh, a must-see. You know, it's funny because when you get to ratings, it's kind of stupid because mm-hmm. I could say the same exact thing of something in, like, a future review and then just say Silver Dollar. But, you know, man, who cares how you understand it? You know, when you feel it, you feel it. And uh, sure. that's <laughs> that's really it. <laughs> yes. Thanks for listening. We hope it's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to more by checking out the Dollar Review Show, where we cover theatrical and streaming releases, as well as give our two cents on anything we sought out on our own, whether that be TV, music, etc. You can find all of our content at dollarreviews.net. Follow us on Twitter. Or like us on Facebook at Dollar Reviews. And we're also on Google Play Music, iTunes, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, just about anywhere on the internet with hours of content available to you for free. But for those of you that feel that the show is worth your dollar, you can send us a donation at patreon.com slash dollarreviews. Contributions not only earn our undying love, but they also make it possible for us to improve our recording equipment and to give you the highest quality episodes possible. But more importantly, they'd be helping us acquire the content to review. You know, trips to the multiplex are expensive, and the more donations we receive, the more films we can review for your listening pleasure. If you listen somewhere we're currently not available, you'd like to contribute some talking points, send a death to cinema request, or if you just want to laugh at us, you can do so by reaching out to us on social media or send an email to brian at dollarreviews.net. Or you can email me as well, steve at dollarreviews.net. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Brian Gillis, that's B-R-Y-O-N-G-I-L-L-I-S, and now you know how to spell the email too, and also under the same name on the Love You site, Letterboxd, which acts as my film diary, where I rate films that I'm watching, write the occasional review, and even sometimes compile lists. You can also find me on Twitter at S underscore MTX, and also follow my film diary at Letterboxd under the same name, where I log everything I watch, and sometimes write brief reviews. That's it for this week. Until next time, keep the change.